Welcome, welcome, welcome into Box Office Quarterbacks, and we've got a very special guest for you today. First off, I'm Ryan Schmelz, joined by Gerald, Eric, Jeff. We got the whole crew today, but we also got a guy who's kind of been like a mentor to some of us uh, when we all got started in the TV industry. We got Trevor Tankersley, a former news anchor in Great West Texas, Odessa Midland. Uh, Trevor, it is so great to see you. Well, great to talk to you guys as well. And the term special, I hope, is using very loosely. I'm definitely not a special guest. I'm regular. And I don't know how much of a mentor I was to everybody. I think we just all got through it together. How about that? Hey, well, what, look, we looked up to you. You were the you were the anchor at the one of the top two stations in our market. And I mean, hey, you were a guy that I think a lot of us uh, really thought highly of when we first got there. Well, I am very, very flattered. And it was uh, always some we had some really, really fun times, despite everything that uh, we all went through as a as a market and some stations. So there are some very, very good stories that we would be able to text each other 10 years from now and know exactly what the other person was talking about. So uh, it's, it's great to be back with you guys again. Yeah. So, so for backstory, Trevor worked alongside, Trevor was the evening anchor and he worked alongside Gerald, Eric and Jeff. Um, now I was at a rival station, so I knew of you, but I didn't know you. And you know, you never know when you finally meet the, the, the evening anchor at a rival news station, what kind of person that person's going to be because very true, very true. It, it's, it's TV. You got some serious egomaniacs, but when I finally met you, I was like, Oh man, this guy's really down to earth. And he just had a kid. Super cool. <laughs> yes, there are some. Oh, my goodness. I always tried to. Uh, people would say that all the time. And I, and I never understood, especially in a market like Midland Odessa, why you would ever have an ego in a market like this. Uh, just a blue collar market. This is not the market for ego. I'm, I'm the anchor here. That's just that's just not the way I rolled. And I don't think anybody should roll that way in Midland Odessa. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's bring you on for what you uh, were here to come and talk about. And that is, I did not know this about you, that you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. So I, I am. I, you better give me a good reason for this. <laughs> it's not a great reason. I grew, I grew up in Irving, Texas, which if, if you don't remember, Irving is home of Texas, or it was home of Texas Stadium where the Cowboys used to play all those years. And you know, my brother's cowboy fan my parents cowboys fans and when i was oh, i say four or five there used to be these little things you could order in the jc penny catalogs they were football outfits that came with the full plastic shoulder pads the full helmet uh the pants the jersey and like little knee pads and my grandparents bought me a boomer esiason one and i thought the helmet was about the coolest thing ever and it stuck with me and I watched the Cowboys win three Super Bowls in four years right around that time. And somehow I was still a Bengals fan. So if I made it through that, I was going to make it through anything. And then I proceeded to suffer through 31 years of just, I, I, I think I told uh, Gerald this year, incompetence. Just, I, I never experienced heartbreak because they were too incompetent to even get to a point where there was heartbreak. So yeah, I'm, I've been a Bengals fan. I've got a collection of jerseys from Jeff Blake to Carl Pickens to, oh my goodness, Carson Palmer to, I just ordered a new, a new one yesterday, Hubbard, defensive end. Uh, 
and I've got, of course, the, the personalized one that's about eight sizes too big. And I ordered it from one of those offshore sites in China. And that's probably why it's eight sizes too big. So, yeah, I'm a Bengals fan and I've seen a lot of bad days. So this is completely unexpected and I'm just going to go along for the ride. So, I mean, like you said, unexpected, but then also a great game this weekend against Tennessee. What were your emotions watching that? Because, I mean, it really was part of one of the best weekends of playoff football ever. You guys probably know this, is you go into the thing with cautious optimism, thinking, oh, you know, we got a shot. We've got a shot. And and I really did. We actually think we, we matched up pretty decent with, with Tennessee. But and you said, oh, I'm not going to get invested. I'm not going to fully invest it. If we lose, it's been a great season. Until the, the kickoff hits, and then you're just – I'm a pacer, and I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So I walked a mile, miles around my couch, back and forth, back and forth. So – um I thought we had blown that shot once they had tied it up on that controversial interception and then touchdown right after, and then we gave the ball back to him with a minute left. But uh, just sheer terror, I guess, watching that final minute. And then once we got the interception, I, I felt much better. But I, I can't describe it as excitement. I can only describe it as terror because all I could imagine was that there was heartbreak coming. As a uh, fellow Oklahoma State fan, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that probably is a byproduct of that. I don't know. It has to do with something with black and orange teams, but they, there's no just we know how to win or lose. It's always win or lose in dramatic fashion. So um, uh, it was, yeah, t- terror watching those final seconds. But uh, it, oh, yeah. it, it's something that I, I just never thought I'd see in my lifetime, even in the AFC championship game. So are you more hyped or more scared for this weekend? No, I, I think I'm beyond scared at this point. Like, I think everybody expects us to lose, especially with the way the Chiefs played. But I actually would rather play the Chiefs than the Bills for some reason. I think the, the Bills pass rush and front seven would have given us fits after what the Titans did to our offensive line. And I think that the Chiefs and Bengals will turn into more of a shootout than the Bills Bengals would have been which I think if we have any chance, it's going to have to be, we're going to have to score points. So um, I actually like the matchup better. That does not mean I think we're going to win because I think the line's at seven or seven and a half when I checked last. But I think at this point, I'm just going to go in. I say that like I just said it, just go in with my heart open, just happy, man, AFC championship game. I just want us to put up a fight. And if it comes down to the fourth quarter, then I'll renege those words so I can say, uh, yes, now I'm scared. (laughs) So who do you think, Trevor, if there's one player on the Bengals, is the most important player uh, against the Chiefs? Well, can I say the entire offensive line? <laughs> is, is that allowed? Because um, they played atrocious. It, it's mind-blowing that Joe Burrow stayed that calm. I mean, you, you would have thought he would have tried a couple of hero throws in there because of the way his line was playing just to get rid of the ball. But to his credit, he just took the sacks, and we punted, and, and somehow the defense came up came up big and just gave him that one last opportunity. So I think if there's going to be one person, I think the easy thing to say would be uh, Jamar Chase on the outside. Uh, but we're, we're going to need some of those guys in the slot in the middle to uh, really open up that secondary. So I'm going to say, I'm going to either going to say it's going to be either Tyler Boyd or it's going to be CJ Uzama. CJ Uzama usually has really, really big games when the Bengals are winning. So I'm going to say C.J. Uzama at that tight end position because I think he can open it up on the seam, which is going to give Chase some chances on the outside. So I was watching earlier, um, uh, Dan Orlowski said that this is the greatest two-year turnaround in NFL history for the Bengals. And that was working in 
in the Dayton Cincinnati market when they hired Zach Taylor. And when I tell you nobody had confidence in him, um, yeah, I, I can you believe that Zach Taylor was able to get this team to where they are at now? Before you answer that question, I would like to uh, be a witness here and tell you that Eric and I were at a restaurant reuniting uh, during the high school state championship game, and Eric literally told this to me. So I am, I, I am a witness to that. This is actual factual information. <laughs> like About- I'll tell you, it, uh, <laughs> when because everybody thought Eric Bieniemy was going to get that job. As did I, and I was fairly disappointed. Quick backstory on Zach Taylor is uh, he was actually an Oklahoma State commit uh, around the same time I was going to Oklahoma State, and he ended up playing at Nebraska under Bill Callahan, and he only started one year in 06, and I was actually down on the sidelines of the Oklahoma State-Nebraska game when he made his last start on the road for Nebraska in a game Oklahoma State was down 17-0 and came back and won. So uh, that was about the only excitement I had because I was – I knew who he was from his time in college, but had no idea he was coaching in the NFL. And there was so much hype, like you said, around Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City that when they said Zach Taylor, I was like, okay, well, this guy's the same age as me. I didn't know he was a coach in the NFL. And all I know is he played quarterback for one year at Nebraska and used to be an Oklahoma State commit. Um, so, yeah, you could say confidence was – it was – I just – still to this day, you could even question it despite what we've had uh, success this past year. Uh, because it, it just it was like they were almost deciding they were going to go full on rebuild, which in his first season came to fruition. And last year, the Bengals were actually extremely respectable up until Burrow got hurt in November. They were very competitive, and I think they had three or four wins up to that point. Um, but I think that game against the Steelers last year, when they were 14.5-point dogs at home starting, I think it was Ryan Fenley, and ended up winning that game, uh, I was like, okay, well – it's easy to come back and win a game you're not supposed to late in the season, um, but they certainly carried that momentum over. And I think it, it's it's easy to look at coaching and say, wow, this is a great two-year turnaround. But it's even easier when you have a guy like Joe Burrow come in and immediately make an impact that he has. Uh, I think the most impressive thing about him, though, is besides his calmness, is he just has like, you guys know what I'm talking about. He has just swag, like nothing's going to bother him the way he celebrates with his teammates after wins and stuff, just smoking cigars. Like you don't see a lot of 23 year old quarterbacks in the NFL doing that, but you, you see it and you believe it. You're like, Oh man, this guy knows he's going to win. So I think having that has helped Zach Taylor a lot, but he has shown the ability to make some, make some decisions and some coaching decisions and his aggressiveness has actually paid off. So I can't say that I'm unhappy with Zach Taylor, but it was definitely a questionable hire at the time. I, I love jokes. I just wanted to also, okay. It's also, I think, funny that a guy can get away with like making fun of his own city and then the, the fans still love him. That's all yep. I have to say. Yep. Yep. But I mean, as as a as a Bengals fan, I just you could as long as they win, right? That's pretty much anything in sports. You can do anything and say anything, and as long as that guy brings wins, then all is forgiven. Unless you're somebody like Antonio Brown. <laughs> Yeah, he's never going to play again, uh, even though he wants to play for the Ravens now, Ryan. Uh, but yeah, Trevor, this game was interesting for you, probably. Uh, y- you covered Ryan Tannehill, right, when he was playing for Big Spring? 
he he had just uh, wrapped up a big spring. Ironically, I was actually down in College Station when we were covering Texas Tech road and home games football. He was just transitioned from wide receiver. He was making his first start, so I was down there covering his first start at Texas A&M against Texas Tech, and I think he threw for 400 yards and like four touchdowns. So he made that transition pretty seamlessly. But I I definitely liked that matchup, Tannehill versus Burrow. I'm going to take Burrow every time, and I was hoping we would score enough and hang on enough to, to give him an opportunity to uh, to make a few mistakes, and luckily he did. And there's a lot of West Texas ties in that game, though, as well, because obviously Derrick Henry and his, his in-laws and his uh, girlfriend – uh, they're all from here at Odessa, and his his uh, mother-in-law actually worked at the station with all of us. So, um, so seeing him come back, but uh, they they stopped that run game and 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 made Tannehill beat him and it proved to be proved to be too too dangerous for him. Well, let's get back to the game, shall we? <laughs> um, and I'm going to say this about the Bengals. You know, I feel like going into the season, like the off season where Joe Burrow ended up getting drafted. I feel like there was a lot of talk about, and people like to put the Bengals down with the organizations, like, you know, as one of the dumpster fire organizations in football. And, and, and I think when Joe Burrow got picked, Mel Kuyper kind of made this, this statement um, on air. Where he kind of said, well, wait a minute, let's put away this narrative that you can't win in Cincinnati. And I think we're kind of starting to learn that a little bit. Yes, I mean, Joe Burrow is absolutely phenomenal, and that's playing into it. But, you know, I've got this right here. Uh, There's a stretch from 2009 to 2015 where the Bengals uh, made the playoffs six out of seven years. They won the division three times, and that's in the AFC North, uh, mind you. And that's a division that had three Super Bowl champions between it within – a pretty short stretch, but, but pretty much during the entire the entire time Marvin Lewis was there in Cincinnati. So, uh, I th- I think is it fair to ask if we've kind of underscored the Bengals organization and not given them credit for being better than what people, you know, the the general consensus is. I think to be honest with you, I think the criticism is probably fair if they get looped in with somebody like the let's say the Lions, the Lions who have been around forever and. I mean, the last time they won a playoff game was when Barry Sanders was there. I, I think it's fair because even in that period when they had Dalton and A.J. Green, uh, they, like you said, they made the playoffs six out of seven years. They won the division three times against likes of Steelers and Ravens when they were at their peaks as well. But they were never really a threat when they got into the playoffs. You never looked at them and go, you know, hey, that's a division champ. We, we definitely don't want to go there to play them. I remember one of those years, I can't remember if it was the Chargers or the Jets lost on purpose so they could go to Cincinnati and play them in the that wild card round. And they won, and it wasn't close. So I think the criticism is fair. To say that we have suffered like a, a team like the Lions, would it's comparable, but the Lions have been insufferable. I, I, I can only think of once in the last – what maybe 10, 15 years the Lions have even made the playoffs. We've act, we've actually in Cincinnati made the playoffs several times. We've just been able to do absolutely nothing with it. I equate it to maybe like a team in college basketball that makes the tournament every year, but they go out in the first round and they're just kind of an afterthought. And I think Cincinnati's I think that's a good way to describe them this kind of an afterthought. Uh, before that 2009 season when Dalton was drafted, they went through some 
very, very lean years. They had that one successful year with Carson Palmer when they were actually, I think, the number two seed, and he tore his ACL and MCL in that first play of scrimmage against the Steelers that year they won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. So that was the only year in that stretch from like 91 to 2006 where they had any hope. But the last 15 years have been respectable. They just have not pulled it off into a playoff win. And do you look at a guy like Matthew Stafford and kind of look, seeing like, this is kind of what Carson Palmer could have been like, you know, where he was with the Bengals and you feel like the Bengals may have wasted a a guy with a, a, an amazing talent like Carson Palmer, or do you think that it was a little bit of both parties in there? I think it was both parties in there because he was never the same player for the Bengals when he came back from that injury. And I think the Bengals were hesitant to give him kind of more long-term money uh, not knowing if he was going to be able to be what he was before that injury. Now, he went on to actually have a pretty decent career after his time with the Bengals. I think he had one year with the Raiders, but he had a couple of really good years with the Cardinals and actually led them to the playoffs. So I, I think at that point, he was probably frustrated with the Bengals because they didn't want to commit to him. And the Bengals were pretty frustrated with him because his play and his hesitancy with his knee was – uh, not what they were used to seeing before the injury. So I think I think it was probably both parties. But you saw, I mean, people don't realize how big Carson Palmer was. He, I mean, he's a big guy, 6'5", 250. Um, so he, 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 was, he was the hope before Dalton. And then now we, I think we actually have the real hope in Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, and, and if you ever listen to TJ Hushman's out of talk about Carson Palmer, he talks about just, he, apparently he threw some amazing balls. And and Hushmanzada is very much a big defender of Carson Palmer, so it, it's a really interesting situation. But transitioning into Matthew Stafford, I mean, wow! I mean, we've always heard about his potential, and I think it was on full display this weekend. And he really did step up to the moment, and he buried a lot of demons the same way the Bengals did this weekend. He did, and I think now two of the top. Uh, the two top performances by a wide receiver as far as receiving yards in history belong to Matthew Stafford. I think Calvin Johnson did it. And then of course, Cooper cup this year. So, and I think uh, Aaron Rodgers this off season said something, I don't know if it was on a podcast about who he thought was like criminally underrated. And he mentioned Matthew Stafford because he can make all the throws he can throw sidearm and, and he, man, he, he put the ball on a dime for his receivers yesterday. Yeah. The the end of that game when Cooper Cup caught that ball, it just felt it, like how I felt playing against him in fantasy every uh, single time I did this year, which was super frustrating. Um, yeah, I, I'm shocked that they pulled that game off because it looked like Brady was going to pull another 28 to three at the end of that game. But I'm happy to you know get some new blood uh, into the NFC Championship game this year. And so, Trevor, um, I know yesterday with all the divisional playoff, divisional games, um, Jeff was talking about the new blood. Looking at the quarterbacks in the AFC, realistically, where do you put Joe Burrow? Well, as of right now, you at least have to put him behind Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, right? Because they've both been to AFC title games, performed extremely well in those title games. And in Mahomes' case, he's been to two Super Bowls and won one. So you have to at least put him behind those guys. Um, so the debate then would be, where do you put him in regards to, let's say, somebody like a Justin Herbert? Um, 
I, I definitely think he's above Derek Carr, and I think most would most would agree about that because Derek Carr makes some puzzling decisions sometimes. Um, but the AFC is uh, it, it, it's loaded, so I'm gonna go and be a biased person here. And as far as AFC quarterbacks, I'm gonna put him three, Joe Burrow. Would anybody agree with that? I, I don't have a problem with it, but I, I do think that Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow conversation is a really good one to have. Um, Derek Carr, I think, is a little bit like Stafford in the sense of he is underrated. I don't know if he'd be criminally underrated, but I think he kind of showed it off this year. Um, but he still, I think, doesn't touch those two by any means. I saw a tweet from the Barstool president, but uh, <laughs> he he ranked uh, Pat Mahomes as the best young gunslinger in the NFL, which is no surprise. Josh Allen. And number three, he put Mac Jones, which I thought was one of the worst takes I've ever seen. I'm sorry, Eric, but he put him over uh, Herbert and Burrow, and everyone was just ripping him on Twitter today. Listen, I think that's I, a. I wouldn't I even do like, like, yeah, I yeah, I I, I can't defend that. I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's just a gig they're doing because like, aren't they from New England, like Boston? Yeah, nah, they are they are Boston based. Well, they are they are from Boston, but yeah, nah. I mean, I with Mac Jones, Mac Jones is not even in the same stratosphere as some of those guys, especially um, like Joe Burrow, Herbert, uh, Lamar Jackson, um, yeah, Pat, Josh Allen. We literally just saw them go toe to toe in the divisional playoffs between the Bills and the Pats, and I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, no, uh, it was it was pretty bad. I, I don't get it either. I definitely do question if Derek Carr would would thrive maybe with a different organization. But I mean, the Raiders are getting going to have a new head coach soon and a new GM. So it could be a changing day in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to say Mac Jones is the best young. He's promising. He's promising. Let's let's give him credit where credit's due. Uh, and I think he's got serious potential to have a breakout season next season. But, I mean, we're talking about young quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson. And there's I'm sure there's a bunch I'm missing off. But those, those guys, I mean, those, those couple guys in the AFC, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch for the next decade if they all stay healthy. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I think the Patriots need to take a page out of the Bengals playbook and just say, you know what? F it. We're taking a top flight wide receiver in the draft. Cause I know again, um, being in that market, uh, working in Dayton, the, all the talk, especially in Cincinnati was Panay Sewell that everybody thought that they should have taken Panay Sewell instead of Jamar chase. But I mean, yeah, they gave up nine sacks, but they're in the AFC championship game with Jamar chase, as opposed to, who knows where they would be if they didn't have them. Yeah, that's I mean that's a good take. I mean, you could always any team in the NFL could use an offensive lineman um, as good as 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 he was projected to be coming out of college, but there's no without Jamar Chase, the Bengals aren't winning the division this year. Just simply they're just simply not. So I think sometimes a, these GMs can talk themselves out when they when they need to draft based on 
position and availability. And I think you'll see that obviously this year in the upcoming draft, the Bengals, they need to use all seven rounds on offensive linemen. But sometimes drafting the talent ahead of a need is necessary. And they took a gamble on Chase, and so far it's paid off. And let's not forget that Jamar Chase had a special chemistry with Joe Burrow that was on full display while they were in college together. But let's keep in mind, too, you draft a wide receiver in the top five instead of a, a an offensive lineman and your quarterback gets hurt and that wide receiver ends up not being as good as uh, you expect him to be. GMs get fired over that. Fortunately, in this case, it did work out for the Bengals. But uh, I mean, I would still caution other teams against taking that uh, risk. The Patriots can take that risk because the Patriots actually don't really have too many flaws on their team. But some of these other ones that are going to have top 10 picks and they've got a lot of holes to fill, I would still caution against it. Well, and then like even then, um, like Trevor mentioned, like going for talent versus need. I There's not a receiver on the Patriots um, other than maybe Jacoby, right? Um, that is that great. So I definitely think receivers are need. And um, I mean, is there a chance they screw up and instead of taking – a Justin Jefferson guy, they get someone that ends up being trash, um, like the Eagles. Um, so, but like, I don't think the Patriots are that bad of an organization at evaluating talent like the Eagles did whenever they missed and didn't grab Jefferson a pick ahead. Um, I think the Pats would actually be a team that pretty dang good at evaluating and probably find a good receiver in the middle of that first round or maybe trade up. Unless Eric's prediction comes true. And Bill Belichick goes to the New York Giants, which there's still time, right, Eric? There's still time for him to go, but it's fading and it's fading fast. But um, but getting back to uh, the Bengals, Trevor, what would you do if the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl? That, that is a good question. I'm trying not to even allow myself to think about that. Uh, we usually host a Super Bowl party at our house. Um, I'm not sure... At that point, I would just tell my wife she can go hang out with somebody else, and I would just watch it in front of the couch with the kids <laughs> while they uh, bug me and played with their toys. So I, I, that's, I honestly haven't even thought about that yet because I still don't think it's a possibility. I think it's, I think it's funny we haven't even talked about the Packers game yet. 30 minutes in. That's been Man, kind of the, the story everyone's been talking about, and we haven't even mentioned it. I'm telling you guys, the 49ers did to the Packers what the Portland Trailblazers did to the Thunder. Ended an era and forced the team into rebuild. Yeah, I didn't get that reference when you texted that to us, Gerald. I don't yeah, really I know nobody did. Thunder. Yeah, the, the, That was but, the Damian Lillard bye-bye 40-footer for the series. Yeah, oh, the there playoffs. we go. And then we traded Paul George and then Russ, and it just went downhill from there. Um and they keep winning now. Like but at just, least just Oklahoma enough. City has 45 first-round picks. So, Yeah, I know. We're going to have kids the for, is, they they like in fifth grade. They won't be able to keep those first-round picks. That Man, they had the golden opportunity to have that team right when they moved there. And to come away with no titles is just – I think it's just going to haunt that, that franchise. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. hit You can hit on every single one of these picks. And then when they decide they want to move to a bigger market – and you don't have, still don't have a great team. That, that those picks is, is end up being just a filler for those four to five years you have those players. Yeah, and like Sam Presti gets a lot of credit for getting Harden, Durant, and Westbrook, which great again. Um, but he hasn't really hit on anything since, like at all. Um, so I know this year is a little different. I think um, the 
first round pick they got is actually doing pretty well, uh, Giddy. But other than that, like it's been pretty on and off guys in the G League and never really make full potential. But um, back to the Packers game. I mean, you were watching that game. It was cold as hell, right? <laughs> Crazy. It was beautiful, though, at the same time. Were you there, uh, Ryan? No, I was not. Oh, okay. Man. I had a coworker go. He bought tickets on a whim and decided to drive all the way to Lambeau Field. I think he flew. I can't remember. I don't know how he got there, but he was can not you, happy. Can huh. you imagine the odds after that first drive from Green Bay to make it 7 nothing? the odds to take the Packers, they won't score a touchdown the rest of the game? I mean, after watching that first drive and then just rolling over the Niners' defense and then to hold them to three points the rest of the game, I mean, that that's just one of those ones – the NFL always does this. Their playoff games are just stupid ridiculous. Well, this whole this whole week was ridiculous. I mean, this wow. was just insane. But it, it was just – I don't really know how to feel about that game. I mean I'll, – I'll tell it, you what. I feel great, Ryan. You know why? Because the 49ers were my pick in the Eliminator tournament, and I needed Aaron Rodgers to be as sad as possible heading into this offseason – so he can leave and go to the Broncos. So all that worked out in my favor. I was very, very excited after that game. But we just talked about the quarterbacks. If Aaron Rodgers is a smart man, he'd stay away from the AFC because it's a gauntlet here. So it's like you might as well. I mean, Brady's talking about retiring. Sean Payton leaves New Orleans. Who does he have if he goes to another team in the NFC? Like, yeah, and I mean, like, the Packers have been great for a long time, but, like, he still loses games to the Vikings, the Lions, the, the Bears. And for the most part, the Lions and Bears have had trash quarterbacks for the past decade or trash teams surrounded by a good quarterback. Um, if he goes to the AFC West, he's going to have to be playing Justin Herbert, Pat Mahomes, and Derek Carr, what what is it, two, four, six times a year? That's a lot different than what he's doing, and that's just his division. Don't you especially ruin this with, dream for me, Gerald. Especially with a new coach. And we already know how he began because he's the biggest prima donna. Like, I can't. I was so happy the San Francisco 49ers beat that, man. You don't know. I was jumping up and down. Like, uh, because you guys touched on it as well, like, talking about like the Thunder. The Packers have had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and they have, what, two Super Bowls to show for it. Tom Brady won three in four years. Yeah, no, and you're so right because, and I'm just sitting here, you know, Eric, Eric, he's got he's got reasons to be angry, and some of them are justifiable. Other, some of the others are are disputable. But I mean, you can't really can you really blame anybody else for for this weekend? Because uh, last time I looked, your defense only surrendered 13 points, and to me, that's that's. That's good defense in the NFL. And technically and only six, it, and seven of those came from that punt block. So they correct. actually held him to six. Yeah, and just, I mean, I'm sorry, Aaron. You only put up 10 points in that game. It's it, That's not good enough to win. And and I don't know if he can really blame anybody else but himself. And it's kind of like, you know, last year when we debated about the field goal and everything like that. I mean, you had several opportunities to get the ball in the end zone also in that game, and you didn't do it. So it's just really hard for me to look at this game and say, is this the Packers fault or is it Aaron Rodgers? I don't know if it's, if anybody can, can really point the finger at somebody else because everyone's got a lot of fault here. Aaron Rodgers lost to a guy who can't even beat his own backup. 
And so like, do you think you think if Jimmy G wins the Super Bowl, does he get another year in San Francisco? Oh no, Jimmy G's done. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter. He's gone. But um, but going back to Aaron Rodgers, it's just like I I know he had the whole I own you stuff with the Bears, but the forty nine he's zero four against the Forty ers and in the playoffs. But it and also it's like. Everybody says if he leaves the team, the the Packers will will be terrible. Uh, Brian Gutekunst, they they have a they still have a good roster, I believe. So I, I don't I think they could probably still win their division, especially mm. with um, two up two two teams still looking for head coaches and GMs. Well, but um, well, keep this well, in mind too. <laughs> Keep this. One of them has Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. Well, on the also, side. I was also. I was going to talk about how. It's, <laughs> I mean, Aaron's also not cheap. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, if the if the Packers move on from Aaron Rodgers and you know Jordan Love is at least like decent, it's like well, we might not. He might not be Aaron Rodgers' quality quarterback, but we can load a super roster around him. And if they I mean, get all those first round picks for trading him, I mean, it's just like heck. You could look at you could be the two thousand Ravens or something like that. Just just change into the 49ers. You know, average to below average quarterback with everything else being freaking fine. <laughs> um, I, I I like Jeff. I was rooting for Aaron Rodgers to fail because I think this is the time for the Vikings to actually win the division. Um, the, all the other teams will suck next year, so this is great. And I think he's a hundred percent gone. Like I, the mystique about Aaron Rodgers and the mystique of a whole Lambeau Field. I mean that that's. That's gone now. It's kind of like the same way with the Cowboys and their mystique. They'll always be that team that's the most watched team, but the mystique itself is gone. You don't you don't fear them, and people don't fear going to Lambeau in January now. They just don't. It's cold, big deal. So what? And you kind of felt that when that game was like ten three, even in the fourth quarter, and they got that punt block. I was kind of with Ryan. You're kind of like, all right, what's going on here? Like this is one of those ones where you just had that. Look at his eye. And can I say this? If you still wear that stupid one buckle plastic chin strap, you deserve to get hit. <laughs> I, I had a better chin strap than that on the seventh grade B team in 1997. And I also <laughs> want to point out that the, like the Packers fans are notoriously like friendly. So they're probably just like not even that terrifying to face, even though I mean, they're loud, but it's like, ah, well, we could be in Philadelphia where they're throwing stuff at us or something like that. Yeah, I texted a friend. She's a Packer fan. Like, she just got shareholdings or whatever this past Christmas. And I texted her, like, after the punt block, and I was like, ouch. And she was like, you know, a lot of fans would be like, hey, screw you, screw off, you know, whatever. She was just like, I'm actually crying right now. Like, this is the worst day of my life. Like, when I wanted to talk trash, I didn't want you to tell me you were crying. Like, <laughs> He's just... Yeah, I, I get the feeling like Jimmy G has all the skills, like, right? But And there's some games you watch, you're like, man, wow. Like that Cowboys game, he was just on point. And then there's other games you just sit there like, what are you doing? He is Kirk Cousins, my guy. Yeah. It's, it's like That's all Kirk Cousins ever does is like sometimes he'll go off for like 375 at a random like 1 p.m. game. And then it'll be Monday Night Football, and he's like four for 15 with 34 yards going into the fourth quarter. So... He's Kirk Cousins. Debo Samuel. What a talent. And we, we, were, we were loving on Jamar Chase earlier in the show. Debo Samuel is one of the more talented players in the league right now. That guy. Absolutely. He can line up in any position. I mean, 
he is incredible. He is incredible. Backfield, you want to put him in the slot, you want to put him back there in the wildcat, he'll do it all. He is he is extremely impressive. So let's go ahead and uh, why don't we get into predictions for uh, next week. So let's update the, the Eliminator tournament. So Gerald is guaranteed to be in the Super Bowl. It just depends on what team it's going to be. It's either going to be the Chiefs or it's going to be the Bengals. Uh, and then Jeff and I are fighting for our Super Bowl opportunity as Jeff has the Niners and I have the Rams. And how the Rams dropped to me, I have no idea, but I'm not complaining about it. That was my mistake. I sh- I knew I should never pick the Pats second, but I was I was feeling myself, and all my teams lost on Wild Card Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I did look at your team, and I'm like, how is this? How how did he pick this team? Like, w- w- what was your first pick? Was it the Cowboys? Yeah, it was the Cowboys because I I like I like I had them going to the Super Bowl, so I'm like, I have to pick them now. So. But yeah, and I thought that you know at least they would beat the 49ers, but uh, that didn't happen. And yeah. then I picked uh, I picked the Pats because I thought, oh, Josh Josh Allen would like mess it up, or like the Bills, something would happen with the Bills. They'll like have a letdown. I mean, they lost to the Jags, so I'm like, you know what, something's gonna happen. And, um, and technically yeah, did. <laughs> yeah, but and then I I just picked the Eagles because I was not picking the Steelers or the Raiders, so. Yeah, well, and let's look at it this way too. I mean, the 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 one thing that worked against your favor is that, the, and I'm going to defend the Cowboys here, but they they really did, I think, draw the uh, the best wild card team. Uh, we can you can argue the Cardinals and maybe some of the teams of the AFC, but I think I think of all the wild card teams, the 49ers were the most complete team, and that I think that the Cowboys may have just gotten unlucky. And yeah. we kind of saw that. I mean, the 49ers are now in the NFC Championship. So I, I, Cowboys fans may have won a little bit with this because this. I think this loss makes uh, – or I think the, the, the 49ers success makes their loss look a little less worse. Yeah, we well, touched on it in the last podcast because they 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 were in the gamut of the NFC West, and but the 49ers are actually a good team. They, they were both top 10 in offense and defense, but it's just the record might – be a little misleading just because of the division that they played in. Well, and then it was misleading for the Cowboys too. The Cowboys division is not good and they were in six and zero against them. Great. You beat your opponents, but I think they were six and five against the rest of the NFL. Like their record made them look a lot better. And I thought they have, they have more talent than any other team. I think at least in the NFC, um, when it comes to all around team, they just aren't able to put together because, I mean, cardiac Cowboys. So, And I'm going to steal this point from another uh, podcast, too. I think um, it, when you look at the two teams that the 49ers played, it's the it's been the Packers and it's been the Cowboys. And, and, and I believe this is on the Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast they brought up. You know, you got a team like the 49ers who's been in playoff mode for quite some time because they've been in win or you're done mode for for weeks. And then you face two teams in the playoffs who arguably were on cruise control for the end of the season because the Cowboys didn't really have a tough division, as you just said, Gerald. And the Packers were so far ahead of everybody in their division. And then they kind of wrapped up uh, first place pretty early that maybe these two teams were just in cruise control and they were playing a team that just knew how to play with pressure at this point. Is that a fair argument? 
I do think it's fair. I also think it's fair that like this team is still similar to the team that just won the Super Bowl in the past few years. Yeah. So like they know how to win in the playoffs. And I mean, Cowboys and Packer fans, you might hate me for saying it, but you don't. You don't anymore. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to a Super Bowl in a while. Um, the Pac- Cowboys definitely can't win in the playoffs. So, I mean, when you don't have players and coaches and personnel that were on a team that just went to the Super Bowl, like that is a huge disadvantage. All right. So, who wins? Uh, start with the Rams 49ers. Uh, the Rams are going to win. Uh, Ryan, you're going to be in the Super Bowl, Gerald. I, I predict that. I, I just think that that offense is too good and the defense is stacked. This is, it's like a super team in the NFL as close to a super team as we're going to get. Um, and I think they're going to pull it off. Trevor, what do you go ahead, Eric? No, go ahead, Trevor. I, I am going to go Bengals with the shock win and i'm definitely going rams i think they're just getting out of the tampa bay with that win the way they got it with stafford making two huge throws i think the rams are going to win over the niners despite what happened in week 18 in that game uh in the ram in the ram i think rams are zero and six against the niners the last three years but i think that comes to an end in this game and i actually going to pick the Bengals. yeah so i i agree with trevor i think i'm gonna take the Bengals over the Chiefs because this ah, the Bengals just got like a team of debt like a team of destiny vibes to them and we we talked about Joe Burrow we talked about Jamar Chase but they have a potent offense as well T Higgins is also a problem uh second round pick um we touched on CJ Uzama Tyler Boyd in the slot Joe Mixon out of the backfield um uh an improved defense I mean, not statistically, they're not as good as Buffalo because nobody was, but they have some ball players on that side of the on that side of the the field. And Jamar Chase went off for two sixty six against the Chiefs the last time they played, and I'm just like, I think he can he can put some numbers on them. Um, and in the NFC, I actually think that the 49ers will beat the Rams. Um, they had a they had a a fun game the last time they played. I think it was week eighteen, um, and also since it being in SoFi, that means the NFC Championship and then the Super Bowl could be in SoFi. But uh, 49ers fans travel, and there were a lot of 49ers fans that game, and I expect there to be a lot of 49ers fans for this game. And they're not playing in the cold. Everybody they're playing in in a regular climate indoors. I uh, will see everybody running around. And I, I think, I think the 49ers will win that game too. Yeah. So um, I definitely on the NFC, I actually agree with Eric. I think the 49ers are way too hot. Um, their defense has shown up against two top tier quarterbacks with top weapons, really. I mean, um, CD lamb was not like, did not show up against the Niners. Um, what Cooper had the one touchdown pass, correct? And a couple other catches, but nothing that great. Um, Devontae Adams obviously didn't go off last week. I think the Rams are, I mean, like I said earlier, all this past Super Bowl experience, the experience of winning in the playoffs, the big game, Matthew Stafford has none of that. Um, and he's the, at the helm. Um, I think Stafford will have a great game, but I think the Rams are going to surprise some people. I'm not the Rams. The 49ers will surprise some people and walk away with this one um, as the underdog. 
Um, unfortunately, on the other side, I don't know that the underdog wins here. Um, I'm actually thinking of both of these teams, the Bengals and the Chiefs, as kind of parallels to what the Vikings and the Saints were in 2009. The Vikings weren't – nobody really knew who they were – like they were going to be great or good. They had Brett Favre. We'll see what happens. It should it should work. Maybe not. He hasn't been great for a few years. Um, they go off. They go 12-4, and four, end up in the NFC Championship against the number one seeded New Orleans Saints. Everybody was hyped on the Vikings, though. The Vikings were the hot talk. They were fun. Brett Favre was winning. Um, But all that hype just didn't live up. The Saints were the better team, regardless of cheating or not. And the Saints won, and they went on to win the Super Bowl against the Colts team. Um, I think this is a similar situation. There's a lot of hype right now on the Bengals side. And I think that um, the Chiefs are going to come out and show why they've been to the Super Bowl twice and why they are as good and why everybody hypes them up. I think the Chiefs are going to end up in there. Um, And I think the Chiefs win against the Niners again. All right. All right. I'm wrapping it up here. I'm going with the Rams to win this game. Uh, We were just bashing Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford has proven he can live up to the moment. He just had an unbelievable game against Tom Brady's team uh, and won the game in unbelievable fashion. I think this team is hot. I think this team is confident. I think this team's experience and all the veterans are starting to step up right now. And you saw that with Von Miller this game. And you've seen it with Aaron Donald, who's one of the best players of all time. I'll put it right there. And and let's just remember, I mean, <laughs> the Rams were really uh, just a couple of boneheaded mistakes away from running away with that game. If Cam Makers doesn't fumble on the goal line, if uh, they don't have a couple other costly mistakes here and there, I think they end up that with that game being a blowout. So I think... Sean McVay is a great coach. He's going to clean up those issues and they're not going to be making those same mistakes again. So I'm going with the Rams here. And uh, on the other side of the aisle, uh, remember those camera shots of Patrick Mahomes right after (laughs) every time the, the, the bills scored a touchdown late in the game where he just looks cool, calm and collected and like, nothing's gonna, nothing's wrong. Uh, That, that look terrifies me. And I think that, he just has this confidence going on right now. And I think that the chiefs have been there and we're starting to see the chiefs of old that have come into their own in this playoffs. And they're going to probably win this game. It's hard to pick against them right now. Sorry, I was trying to unmute myself. Um, How crazy is it though? I mean, all these teams have such like crazy momentum, every single one of them. It doesn't seem like any of them can be stopped. Like picking one of these four teams is definitely hard right now. Yeah, it's the four hottest teams in the NFL. I mean, you might you could have probably argued maybe the Bills were one of them, but it's it's just unfortunate they had to play the Chiefs. But whatever it is, I mean, it's going to take a lot for this weekend to live up to to next weekend or for, to last weekend because uh, that was still epic, wasn't it, guys? That was an incredible weekend. Not sure we'll see anything come down to the last play in all four games. That, that that's something else. And today, I, today actually is the 40th anniversary of the Super Bowl in 1982 with the Niners and Bengals. So maybe we'll see it 40 years later. Hey, well, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to hear from you and talk to you again. And uh, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Who day nation, baby, go Bengals! Awesome. Well, we appreciate you so much for joining us. Thank you, Trevor Tankersley, as always. And we also thank you. 
for listening to us. And we also hope that you will follow us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Are we on TikTok? That's, that's you, a, Gerald. That's, that's a negative ghostwriter. Not officially. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. But we appreciate you for yeah. We appreciate you for joining us, and we will see you next week for another episode of Good Friends and Real Talk. We'll see you later.